Good morning. Welcome to Mission Vineyard Church on this 4th of July, in which we celebrate the independence of our great nation. But we celebrate the, in, our independence from the devil and from sin every single week in this church. And uh, what a privilege to join in worship today. I'm Herschel Rosser. I'm uh, a brother here in the church. Our, our pastor, John Arelli, and his family are on vacation. And I just want to welcome you heartily. Lord, we open ourselves now to you, to your presence, to the cleansing of your shed blood, and to worship you. We're delighted, Lord, that we have the opportunity to worship you today. In Jesus' name, amen. So we want to thank Destiny and Gilberto for leading us. Let's worship the Lord together. Good morning and happy Sit on that side next to our working speaker. If it's too loud for you, sit on this side where there's no working speaker. <laughs> okay, so I'm excited about this morning because um, we are talking about Passover, and it just so happens to be the main key event during the plague of the death of the firstborn where Pharaoh then frees the Israelites, and we get to talk about this on July 4th when we celebrate freedom in America, right? What a circumstance, right? So I'm going to talk a little bit. I'm sorry, guys. But when it came to the songs this morning in the set, I wanted us to actually recognize where our freedom really comes from. We're going to start with a new song called Bound for Glory. If you've been here after the service at all, you've probably heard it played at least once. So maybe it'll be a little familiar. But it's celebrating that we are bound to Christ and because that we are bound for glory in heaven. And that is where our freedom really comes from. We'll be talking about our living hope and how he is the hope, not our rights, not where we live, but him and what he's done for us and his cleansing blood, which has made us free. And then we get to dedicate our lives to him and say that we need him. If you are ready to sing and worship with us, would you please stand? We have... <laughs> We are initiating a new drummer. I didn't even know she could drum until I tried her out this morning. So this is Izzy. But she might need a little bit of encouragement, so we're going to ask all of you to help keep a little bit of rhythm, okay? Okay, so here's the rhythm. We're going to start with the chorus. It says, I'm free because I'm bound. I'm bound for heaven's gate where my feet will stand on holy ground. I'm bound for glory. I'm free because I'm bound. I'm bound for heaven's gate. Where my feet will stand on holy ground. I am bound for glory. This world's not my home. This world is not my home. I'm free. I'm free. 
joy, no peace, no freedom without you. You are the definition of good, the definition of love, and we welcome you into this place. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. My
There are so many ways in which we need the Lord. If you could just ponder in your hearts and pray and ask him. I believe he's in this place right now. How is it that you need the Lord? How do you need him to show up? Let's just take this moment to... <laughs> 
to talk to him about it and ask him for it. song a few weeks ago um, at a worship session at the Forward's house, and somebody said, it sounds like we're saying it's our righteousness. Well, the songwriter didn't intend it to sound that way. Our one defense, our, you know, it's his righteousness that we are singing about. So it, some of you may have thought that, because I used to think, why did they say my righteousness? Well, my one defense, my righteousness is Jesus. My righteousness is Jesus. That's what it's saying. We are going to pray the Lord's Prayer together. If we could bring that up on the screen. The, the prayer the Lord taught us to pray. When his disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. Here it is. Let me get out of the way. And let's pray it together. Our Father, who art in heaven... Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the glory forever and ever. Amen. 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 You may be seated, and Jan Seaman is coming to share some good things with us. Okay. Hello. Yeah. Great. Uh, good morning, Mission Vineyard. Happy 4th of July. We really appreciate you choosing uh, to worship with us this morning. Thanks for being with us. So... Um, have some uh, things I want to talk to you about this morning. If you're new this week, I hope you have received one of these. That has a, a bunch of little interesting things in it. One of them is uh, some information about our church, but also this thing, which we call a manna bag. You can keep this in your car and give it to uh, someone that you find that's in need, uh, which is really a lot of fun, then you can pray with them. And then we also have in here what we call a connect card, uh, which is our way of keeping track of your visit and putting you on our email list uh, that we send out every week. We have an email that tells you all the events of the church for that particular week. So it, whatever information you feel comfortable sharing on that card, if you would fill it out and put it in the basket uh, back there on the media table. Now, um, 
Small groups are a very integral part of our church, and we would encourage everyone to get connected with a small group. You can go to smallgroups.missionvineyard.org, and there you will find a list of all of our online as well as in-person groups that meet during the week. We've discovered that it's a great way for us to get to know you, you to get to know us, and experience that faith journey together. This week, this week in particular, Lucy Rosser, Lucy, hold up your hand over there. There she is. She's going to be hosting a women's gathering this Saturday, July 10, at her house. There's two options. At 10 o'clock, there's going to be a potluck brunch that she will host um, for all you ladies who would like to attend in person. And then at 2 p.m., she's going to have an online meeting for all you ladies who can't get out. So uh, we look forward to seeing you there. And ladies, if you need this, this little yellow card gives, I think it probably has her address on here, but definitely her phone number. Yes. So, or you can just talk to Lucy personally. Now, at Mission Vineyard, we consider uh, giving tithes and offerings as part of our worship experience. So if you would like to worship in that way, there's a basket on the back table where you can put your offering. Or you can go to giving.missionvineyard.org uh, if you prefer an online off, uh, option. So would you pray with me? <clears throat> Father, thank you for sharing your wonderful resources with us. We just appreciate the way you always take good care of us. And it's really fun to partner with you in what you do in the world. Lord, all of uh, the um, givers today, would you bless back to them abundantly what they give? And uh, would you bless what we receive, Lord, and enable us to take those offerings and impact our community with the love and freedom that Jesus Christ brings? And now, as Herschel comes to encourage us, Father, we would ask that you would fill him with your Holy Spirit and that he would be able to speak with your words, that we would have open ears to hear the encouraging message that you have for us today. Amen. You bet. Jeff, is this stool where it should be? Okay. I feel like I'm behind an array of photographic equipment, but I've had my picture taken often enough, so we won't do that. What a wonderful worship time. Thank you, worship team. And by the way, today is Destiny's birthday. So, um, I'm very thankful to be able to live in the United States of America and in Texas, of course. It goes without saying. <laughs> but um, we do want to stop today and pray for our country and, uh, you know, just ask the Lord to, to make things right. It seems like in, in recent years so much has been difficult and um, various issues and problems. But we've come this far by faith, and we're going to ask the Lord to... Uh, Proceed us and go behind us in every way. 
How many veterans do we have here today? Could you raise your hand, veterans? Yeah, one, two, three, four, five, six. And some of you are active duty right now, like James. So we want to thank you especially for the way that you uh, help ensure and have helped ensure our freedom. Would you join me in prayer? Would, let's just stand in prayer. Would you join me? So, Father, we do thank you for this land, for this country. We know there are numerous issues, numerous problems, numerous problems in our history, numerous problems now. And yet, Lord, this is one of the few places on earth where people can truly, truly worship you in, in freedom, without fear. And we thank you for that. We pray, Lord, that you would turn our nation to you. We pray, Lord, for all the churches of our country, many of, whom, many of those churches, it seems, have just been concentrating on wrong things. We pray you'd bring your church throughout this country, Lord, back to preaching the gospel, the pure gospel of Jesus Christ, yes. concentrating on making disciples for you, and then letting your kingdom as people become followers of Jesus, letting that be the leaven that changes the moral setting and the political setting of our country, Lord. Just bring unity to your church. Raise up your church to raise up the banner of Jesus Christ in this land. And we do pray, Lord, for our leaders, our elected leaders, that you would uh, just send a spirit of repentance on them for any wrong way, any selfish ways, and, and grant, Lord, um, good leadership in this country and in our states and in our cities and in our counties. And, Lord, we, we have confidence that you will do that. We have confidence that you will do that. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, we are in a series, and by the way, some of you are thinking, why, why haven't we had communion? Did Herschel forget communion? No, I didn't forget communion, but Randall is going to come lead us in communion at the end of the service because it will proceed from the sermon. We're in a series from the book of Exodus called Into the Wilderness, and John asked me to speak on the Passover now, those who grew up in Sunday school and are my age or a little younger than me, you know what Passover is, but the newer generation probably doesn't know. If you happen to be reading in the New Testament and you come to 1 Corinthians 5, 7, you'll read this. Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for us. And then it goes on to say, therefore, let us keep the feast. And you may be saying, what? What is this about Christ being a Passover lamb? Well, it's like the New Testament forces us back into the Old Testament to find out what the Passover is and what its meaning is for us today. And so we're going to look at the institution of the Passover meal. You know that uh, the Jewish people uh, celebrate Passover till today, and at the same time they celebrate Passover, they begin a a feast of unleavened bread that uh, in some cases goes seven days long. And if you have any Jewish friends, you probably know about that. Uh, so where did that all start? And what does it mean that Jesus Christ is our Passover lamb? 
So we're going to read an extensive passage from Exodus. There's just no way to do this without reading a good bit of scripture. So um, just hang on for the ride. And if it's new to you, uh, you're about to be introduced to something very, very interesting. So this happens with Moses and the Egyptians and Pharaoh. Probably you have heard of the ten plagues that God sent upon Egypt because Egypt had enslaved the children of Israel. They were slaves there, and they were being severely mistreated. In fact, when Moses was born, uh, the Pharaoh, who, in case you don't know, that's like the king of Egypt, had ordered that every, every male child born to the Jewish people be murdered. I mean, he was, he was kind of a prefigurement of Adolf Hitler. He really was. He was very, very evil, wicked, wicked person. And the kingdom of Egypt uh, had a, a great deal of cruelty toward their slaves, and the children of Israel were slaves there. And there have been nine great plagues that God has brought on Egypt to try to force Pharaoh to release the people to go back to the land of promise, Canaan land, that God had promised to Abraham. And Pharaoh has many times said, okay, and then he's changed his mind. And so we come now to Exodus 12, 21. Then Moses called all the elders of Israel together and said to them, go pick out a lamb or young goat for each of your families and slaughter the Passover animal. Because if you go back just a little bit further, God has spoken this to Moses. But I couldn't, I just didn't have time to read both sections to you today. Drain the blood into a basin, then take a bundle of hyssop branches and dip it into the blood. Brush the hyssop across the top and sides of the door frames of your houses. So picture your house with, uh, they were very tiny little hovels. They just had one way in and out. And so, uh, you know, put blood on both sides of the door and on the lintel on the top. And no one may go out through the door until morning, for the Lord will pass through the lamb to strike down the Egyptians. But when he sees the blood on the top and sides of the door frame, the Lord will pass over your home. He will not permit his death angel to enter your house and strike you down. And what he has said to Moses is that every firstborn in Egypt is going to be struck dead on that night. Firstborn of people, firstborn of livestock. Every firstborn would be struck dead on that light, on that night, for two reasons. One is because of the great and terrible wickedness of this people, and the other is to at last free the children of Israel from slavery. And then he says, Remember these instructions are a permanent law that you and your descendants must observe forever. When you enter the land, the Lord has promised to give you, you will continue to observe this ceremony. Then your children will ask, what does this ceremony mean? And you will reply, it is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord, for he passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt. And though he struck the Egyptians, he spared our families. When Moses had finished speaking, all the people bowed down to the ground and worshiped. So the people of Israel did just as the Lord had commanded through Moses and Aaron, and that night at midnight, the Lord struck down the firstborn sons in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn son of Pharaoh, who sat on his throne, to the firstborn son of the prisoner in the dungeon. Even the firstborn of their livestock were killed. 
Pharaoh and all his officials and all the people of Egypt woke up during the night, and loud wailing was heard throughout the land of Egypt. There was not a single house where someone had not died. So it's an awful, awful, awful night for the Egyptians. And, and it's background. This is all background for what Jesus Christ did on the cross. So we have to, we have to kind of lay hold of this and understand what Passover is and what it means. And so just follow with me. There's so much more here. If you would like to go back, you know, while we're preaching through Exodus, you ought to read through Exodus because there's a whole lot more that I just can't get to today about the Passover and the other, the other things that were instituted through this. And this brings me to the first point I want to make, which is God must confront and destroy evil because of his love. The book of 1 John tells us God is love. And so we might, you know, being, uh, being the people we are and the culture we are, we might say, well, if God is love, then uh, why would he ever strike anybody dead? Well, that's kind of like saying if a surgeon... If a surgeon is a good surgeon and a good man, why would he cut a cancer out of a body and throw it in the trash can? Uh, I'm not equating human beings to cancer, but I'm saying I'm, I'm equating evil to cancer. And when evil gets going and evil gets bad enough and people won't turn to God and they won't accept God's offer of love and forgiveness, he has to deal with evil because otherwise... Uh, the, the universe will just be destroyed. You see, look at what the devil has done. The devil, we understand, is a fallen angel. He started out good. He started out as a, a creature of good. But he set his heart to do evil. He set his heart to rebel. And ultimately, the only way God can rid the universe of evil is by casting the devil into the lake of fire, which he's going to do at the end of time. But he's also going to have to punish those who have become so evil in their heart that they can't be separated from the evil of the devil. Because if God just said, okay, just winked at their evil, just winked at their wickedness, and just let them go on and live forever, they would keep corrupting his universe. He can't do that because he loves his creation. He loves human beings. He wants us to prosper. He wants us to be healthy. He wants us to live righteous lives. He wants us to enjoy fellowship and friendship. And evil interrupts that. War. Think about war. Think about murder. Think about the things you hear, you hear on the news of, of, you know, sometimes you hear, pardon me, because there are children in the room, some smaller children in the room, but they hear it too already. Uh, some father, stepfather, uh, you know, might sexually assault one of his daughters. Or some, some adult might take a little child out, sexually assault it, and then torture it, and then cut its body up, you know. Do you want that to continue? Do you want that to go on? Do you want to keep having kingdoms where the king would say, let's kill the firstborn of every person in that race of people? See, we have to understand why God, being love, has to deal with evil. And it creates the situation for uh, death and for horrible things, but not as horrible as it would be if God didn't deal with evil. So Egypt represents what's worst in the world. 
The Lord says through Paul in Romans 1.8, the wrath of God is being real, revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. The wrath of God, that represents God taking action against evil. The wrath of God means God is taking action against murder. He's taking action against rape. He's taking action against slavery. He's taking action against war. That's what the wrath of God means. And Egypt in the Old Testament represents what is worst in the world. God in his grief about evil already sent the flood, but that didn't cure the problem. And so now he deals with Egypt. See, the people in Egypt have been worshiping Pharaoh. Pharaoh calls himself God. And here's a God who orders the firstborn children of a whole race of people to be murdered. Slavery and ill treatment. And God has called Moses to lead the people out. God is saying in, in the 10th plague, enough! That's it. It's over. And so we would say this, applying to us, because we all, the Bible says, we all are sinners. We all have rebelled against God. So evil is potentially in all of us. We can't just point to the Egyptians. We can't just point to the Nazis and say those are the bad guys. The Bible says we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So if you can't find a way to deliver ourselves from sin, if you can't find a way to deliver yourself from sin, if Herschel can't find a way to deliver myself from sin, I'm in trouble because God has to deal with sin. He has to because he's loving. But he always provides a way of escape for those who respond to his love. Is that up there? Would you read it with me? God always provides a way of escape for those who respond to his love. So Romans 1, 16 through 17, you know, we, we already read Romans 1, 18 about the wrath of God being revealed. But right before that, Paul said this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. And then he goes on to say, both for Gentiles and Jews, everyone who believes the gospel. And so it's the gospel that's going to introduce us to Jesus Christ being our Passover. The blood on the doorpost and the lintel, we're going, to, we're going to understand how that is something Jesus Christ has provided for every one of us to find a way of escape. Well, this death to the firstborn in Egypt finally made Pharaoh let the children of Israel go out into the wilderness. And we're going to continue that, um, that story next week. But we have to understand, God's intention in judgment is always redemption. When God brings judgment, it's not because he likes to zap people. It's not because he likes to zap nations. It's because he wants to bring redemption. How would you like to live in a, in a world where the Nazis had won out in World War II? Wouldn't that be fun? Think of that. You know, Hitler wasn't just killing Jews. He was killing evangelical Christians, Pentecostal Christians, Jehovah's Witnesses. He was murdering them. How would you like to live in, in a world that was ruled by Hitler? Would you like that? I don't think so. 
So God's intention in judgment, he brought judgment on Germany. He brought judgment on Hitler. He, he finally intervened and stopped that nonsense. And then human beings started other nonsense. But God's, God's intention in judgment is always redemption. It is never because he likes to judge. It's never because he hates people. It's never because he wants to send people to hell. It's never because he wants people to die. It's because he's dealing with evil. And so now we come to understand the Passover. The Passover is a powerful picture of what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross. So it's this thing of the blood on the lintel and the two-door post. And Randall Pinnell really helped me get ready for this sermon. By the way, any parts of my sermon you don't like, blame Randall, okay. <laughs> not so, not so. He said to me, Herschel, the original Passover was a preview. Isn't that a great word? So the Passover we read about in Exodus is a preview of the ultimate Passover, which happens through the cross of Jesus Christ. And Jesus himself meant for us to see the connection. He absolutely embraced it. How do I know that? Because he chose the Passover meal as the time to say, hey, from now on, you've celebrated the Passover. From now on, when you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you're celebrating my death. It's the new Passover. And so uh, when we take communion, it's a whole lot more than grape juice and a cracker, let me tell you. It's a whole lot more than that. That's an understatement of the year. Uh, so Matthew 26, 17 says, On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, that's a seven-day festival, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Where do you want us to prepare the Passover meal for you? See, Jesus is intentional. He's putting it in our face where we can't miss the symbolism of the Passover in the Old Testament in his own life. And I love this verse in 1 Peter 1, 18 through 21, which I think captures the spirit of the Passover, even though the word Passover is not used here. So let's read it. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. Aren't you glad? And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. So what purchased, what was your ransom? What was your ransom that purchased you from sin, purchased you from the devil, purchased you from death, delivered you from those things? What was your ransom? It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. So the children of Israel were to take a lamb, maybe a baby goat if they didn't have a lamb. It had to be protected for a whole week almost before the Passover. It had to be perfect, spotless. And then they were to sacrifice it, and then they were to take the blood and smear it on the door of their house, which let's just say represents the entrance to our lives. Just say it represents our lives. And Peter is saying that Jesus' blood is smeared on the lintel and doorpost of our life. What ransomed us? The precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God, 
God chose him as your ransom long before the world began, but now in these last days he has been revealed for your sake. Now we need to just take a little pause here, take a little detour, lest anybody here think that the Father said, okay, Jesus, uh, I'm going to use you as a sacrificial lamb. Get down there and die. You know, it's not like that at all. We have to, we have to go a little deeper in our theology to understand that God is a trinity. God is three persons in one. So is the Father God? Yes. You can answer. Yes. Is the Holy Spirit God? Yes. Is the Son of God God? Yes. yes. So it's God on the cross. It's, it's not the Father saying, go die. I'm not going to do it. You do it. It's nothing like that. It's God saying, I'm going to die in place of these people. I'm going to become the Passover lamb in place of these people. The Father does send him. Yes. And the Father is grieved at what's happening. But it shows the intensity of the Father's love that he's willing to see his son suffer this way, you see, for us. And the son embraces it as God. And the Father and the Spirit share in the suffering and pain in some way. But it is, it is the Son of God who dies. The Father doesn't die. The Holy Spirit doesn't die. The Son of God who is fully human as well as being God in the flesh, he's the one who dies in our place. So we are redeemed by the precious blood of Christ, the spotless Lamb of God. Now I'm going to share something that Randall helped me understand. And we can, we can see this. God unleashed his wrath. Remember what wrath is? It's God dealing with evil. God unleashed his wrath on the Egyptians, and that points to a final judgment. So, so ride with me here. Follow with me here. Revelation 6, 15 through 17. At the very end of this age, this is going to happen I don't know exactly what it's going to be like, but the book of Revelation presents it. Then the kings of the earth, the princes, the generals, the rich, the mighty, so let's say the presidents, the prime ministers, the parliaments, whatever it is, the senate, the house, the kings of the earth, the princes, the generals, the rich, the mighty, and everyone else, both slave and free, hid in caves, everyone except the redeemed, okay? hid in caves and among the rocks of the mountains. They called to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who can withstand it? Remember, wrath doesn't mean God is having a fit. God's so angry, I'm going to get them. I'm going to sling lightning bolts like Thor or somebody down at the earth, you know. It's not like that at all. It's, okay, finally at last, I've had enough. I've got to deal with evil once and for all and rid my whole universe of evil so there'll be no more murder, no more rape, no more war, no more thievery, none of that horrible stuff that we all hate and that we've all escaped from by the, by the rescue Jesus has given us. He's going to end it all. And all of those who refuse him, all of those who say no to him, all of those who continue in rebellion against him, all of those who in their hearts continue to commit themselves to evil, God understands. He knows and He sees every heart. He's not going to deal in wrath with anybody who, who wants to be saved. 
in any way, shape, or form. He's going to rescue them. But the others, the others that he sees, they're just going to get more and more evil. They're just going to become more and more like the devil. He's going to deal with them. He's going to deal with them. And that's what this passage is saying in the book of Revelation. He unleashed his wrath on the Egyptians, pointing to a final judgment. It's a symbol of the final judgment. And here, this is really what I got from Randall. I love this. I love this. But now God has unleashed his son to be our Passover. He has unleashed his wrath on those who are destroying his universe. But he has now unleashed his son to be our Passover lamb. Isn't that a great thought? Jesus Christ has invaded our space. Jesus Christ has submitted himself to our sin. He became sin for us, it says in 1 Corinthians, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Jesus Christ has been unleashed. And I'll tell you, you all have heard me say this before. Uh, Paul says... I think somewhere else in 1 Corinthians, if the God of this world had understood what was going to happen, he would not have crucified the Lord of glory. There was a hydrogen bomb that went off in the pit of hell, and it was Jesus Christ. <laughs> Satan, Satan received his mortal wound from which he will ultimately perish. It was, his fate was absolutely sealed. He will be cast into the pit of hell. There will be no more sin. There will be no more wickedness. There will be no more murder. There will be no more rape. There will be no more death. And that day, I believe, is coming soon. And it's because the Father has unleashed His Son to be our Passover lamb. Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for us, so let us celebrate the festival. It says in 1 Corinthians 5, Finally, the one safe refuge in the whole universe is in the cross of Jesus Christ. Romans 5.9, Since we have now been justified by His blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through Him? Is that up there? Yeah. Read it with me. Since we have now been justified by His blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through Him? And just one more verse that's not up there. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, this is in 1 Thessalonians, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with Him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. Would you just in your heart thank God for His shed blood which symbolically is put on the doorpost and lintel of your life so that when judgment comes, it will pass over you. Hallelujah. And you will join Jesus Christ and all the saints in the new heaven and the new earth, a wonderful place with no sin, no temptation, no death. Whoa, I'm looking for that. Let's applaud Jesus. Let's applaud Jesus. And Randall is coming to lead us in communion, and then I think we'll, the worship team will come back and we will read some words that the prayer team had, and you can come for prayer. Thank you, Herschel.
What a, what a great opportunity that we have uh, because we're talking about Passover. And thank you, Herschel, for the way you expressed this uh, preview or in some ways a down payment uh, that we remember all the time in Passover. It reminds me, first of all, just of 1 John 4.10, in this love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the ransom for our sins. That this is about his love. Even the manifestation of that wrath is a, is a, a small thing compared to the manifestation of his love that we celebrate in Christ. There's one in between the Passover and this time that we celebrate with the Lord's Supper. In the small book of Habakkuk, uh, there's a prayer by the prophet in chapter 3, verses 2 and 3, and it, it says, Lord, we have heard the reports about you. We stand in awe of your amazing deeds, may I say, in your amazing love as well. In the midst of these years, oh, that you would make it known again in your wrath, remember mercy. And remember mercy is not getting what you and I deserve. And grace is getting what we don't deserve. So thank you, Lord, for your mercy and your grace. I want to read to you first out of Matthew, just this, the Jewish gospel, as it were. Matthew spends a lot of time looking back at the previews to what Jesus has done. And that gospel, more than any of the others, really tied these two together. But in chapter 26 of Matthew, Herschel mentioned a, a bit of the preview to that. Verse 26, and while they were eating, Jesus took some bread and after a blessing, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is to be shed on behalf of many for the forgiveness of sins, because of the love of God, I might add there. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day after I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. We're going to do this in a minute. And after this, they sang a hymn and went out to the Mount of Olives. We're going to do that in just a minute. But I want to shift over. We use this passage a lot from Paul in 1 Corinthians 11. Because he adds something that I think from his perspective as a, a Jewish rabbi himself that he really pulled out of all that's been said about communion. And we use this passage most of the time. It's in 1 Corinthians 11, beginning verse 23. The Lord Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, the cup also after supper, saying, this, is, this cup is the new covenant of my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. But listen to what Paul inserts here. 
For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes back. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the very body and the very blood of the Lord. But let each one of you examine yourself. And so let each one of you eat of the bread and drink of the cup. So let's do that now. First of all, let's take this bread, which represents the body of Christ broken for us because of God's love. Let's take and eat that in remembrance of Him. And then also this cup, which represents the very blood of Jesus Christ, poured out for us for the remission the substitution, the atonement for our sin. Thank you, Lord. And they finished by singing a hymn. Will you join us as we sing? Just before we sing, I just want to say um, All of us have failed God. All of us have sinned. All of us have done evil things. All it takes to be reconciled to God and to come under His love and mercy instead of being under His wrath is to repent of your sins and put your faith in Jesus and ask Him to come into your life. And I just want to encourage you to do that. We're going to have prayer teams if they would Go ahead and make their way over here. If you would like to give your life to Jesus Christ today, come. But also, we have a prayer team that meets before church, and they get words from the Lord. And let's see if any of these speak to you. And you come for prayer if they do, and you come for prayer if they don't. Because anyone who needs prayer, we want you to come. Jesus says, I've got this. Trust and believe. Whatever it is you're wrestling with, that you feel like there's no answer, come to the prayer team. Fear not, I'm here for you. Somebody who's struggling with fear, and the Lord is for you. Somebody with a stomach issue, someone who needs healing for something with their stomach, please come for prayer. And the word, the Spirit has charge over you from being a little leaf to being a huge tree. Whatever, whatever, wherever you are, a word of encouragement. So this, these teams will be here, and they want to pray with you. Do not leave until you get prayer. Would you stand and let's sing with the worship team? But those who want prayer, you come right on over. This is a new song. I talked to Herschel about what his sermon would be about. Um, he talked about how important the cross and the blood is for our salvation. It's about the rugged cross and his love poured over us. Oh, that rugged cross, my salvation, where your love poured out over Hallelujah, praise and honor 
precious blood that my Jesus spilled. Now my debt is paid. It is paid in full by that precious blood that my Jesus spilled. Now the curse of sin has no
Praise and honor unto the Lord. If any of you still need prayer, the prayer teams will be here. If there are not enough prayer teams, grab some of us to come pray with you. I'm going to bless you now. If you have children in the children's ministry, you might want to get them and then come down and fellowship with the people. I bless you now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I bless you in the God of our Lord Jesus Christ who delivered His own Son over for us to die in our place, to take the curse of death. I praise you in the name of Jesus Christ who took your place, who took my place, and who shed His blood, which now protects us from all evil. I, I bless you in the name of the Holy Spirit who's here to make Jesus Christ real to us. Go in His power, go in His grace, go in His blessing. Go and take his message of grace and love and forgiveness to the world. Amen.